When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, FPL managers? Welcome to a new video from Fantasy Football Scout. We're talking wildcard. It's game week seven time. Lots of fixture swings to do to uh, to uh, take on board and Chelsea to target. And who better to join me with this discussion and help me out with my own wildcard team than Late Riser? How are you, buddy? Doing good, Ted. Doing good. How are things at your end? Are you just telling me you were having a little bit of a chat before we just got on live and late night decision on a Sunday night. Not a planned wildcard. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I've always stressed beforehand that I wanted to keep my wildcard as long as possible. I've said this quite a few times because I wanted to maybe be able to accommodate the, the Club World Cup with Chelsea in game week 17 and 18 and the African Cup of Nations at the start of next year. But I feel like my team is... There's too many issues and I'm catching up all of the time. I'm still playing catch-up and I every time something happens, there's always an injury... And I've made too many bad transfers this season. Um, so I want to try and use this opportunity to rectify those those issues and get ahead of the curve in tripling up on Chelsea or or whatever might might be a good idea. But this is the time. Chelsea have got a great fixture swing. I'm, I'm going to look at them mainly. But yes, it was a late night decision last night. And I, I did have a couple of beers yesterday. So I wondered whether I wake up this morning and regret it. But no, I, I feel good about the decision. So yeah, not too bad. Are you are you considering a wild card yourself? Will it be this game week, next game week? Or are you going to save it? No, so I, I think there's a 99% chance I pull the wild card trigger on Saturday as soon as uh, the deadline passes. Very close to wild carding this week as well. But I reckon... Uh, I want a little more information about City and Chelsea, two teams that I want to dive in on the Game Week 8 wildcard as well. And just keeping it open because it's nice to mull over your decisions over a two-week period, something during the national break as well. And, uh, you know, make yourself insured from international break injuries as well. So that's the thinking why I'm just going a week later. Yeah, absolutely. We've got the City versus Liverpool game this week, which is not ideal for people wildcarding this week. But I think, you know, loading up on Liverpool and Chelsea players isn't the worst idea you you don't know what that score is. We've had four twos, we've had nil nils, we've had any sort of score lines in those games. So we don't really don't know what to expect. But a wild card should be a long term decision, right? So if you want City Liverpool assets this week, nothing wrong with that at all. But we will look at my wildcard draft at the end of this video. But beforehand, we're going to look at um, lots of stats from each of the positions. We're going to look at some fixtures. We're going to look at underperformance, overperformance, that sort of stuff. Uh, in essence, to basically give you the best sort of idea about players to bring in on your wildcard if you're doing it this week or if you're just making transfers maybe just to prioritize your own transfers so let's let's get on with it let's have a look at some of the notable fixtures we've got coming up Chelsea right at the top there with a beautiful set of five fixtures Southampton at home Brentford away Norwich at home Newcastle away and Burnley at home. Norwich and Newcastle particularly appetising for um, some really poor defensive numbers. So doubling up on Chelsea or even tripling up on Chelsea seems to be the way to go. A lot of Ronaldo to Lukaku moves might be on the cards as well. Um, 
But another other, other teams that have notable good fixtures, we've got Leeds there. Uh, Rafinha owners, you're probably quite happy. Um, Bamford owners are unlucky for the injury and ailing seems to be out as well. So Rafinha seems to be the main one there. Arsenal's the other team that we're going to talk about today, who have struggled in their first three games, but have had decent results in their last three, ever since Aaron Ramsdale came in. What do you think about Arsenal just in general? Uh, Pranil, are you are you looking to bring in any Arsenal assets um, this I, game week? I'm, I'm not this game week. Uh, maybe the next one uh, because uh, I don't know what what is going to happen this game because I'm sitting uh, with two fit defenders, maybe just one at the moment. So I don't know what's happening. So that will determine the way I lean towards later. But yeah, I think Arsenal are a definite consideration. Uh, and should be on anybody's wildcard, whether in attack or in that midfield slot as well. Because, you know, people were jumping the gun when it came to judging that team because the spine of that team was injured. You had uh, Thomas Partey in midfield, who's an important part of Arsenal's defensive setup. You have White and Gabriel who were injured as well. So I I thought it was really unfair to pass a judgment on that team because half of their uh, first team is injured, right? So, and they've shown in the past three games. And they it's just not a very small subset of past three games that they showed. They showed it in the back end of last season as well, where they can be a solid unit. And I actually really, really like the balance of that team against uh, Spurs as well, where they had four proper defenders. They turned into a lopsided uh, three defenders at the back where Tomiyasu sort of shifts in and, and they have a three CB setup and Tierney pushes on. And uh, two solid midfielders in the pivot and those three youngsters behind Oba. I like that setup. I think Odegaard is amazing for them. He, he's one of those players that knows how, kind of like Modric, who knows how to control the tempo of a game. And I think if you're looking at a 4.4, 4.5 million defender, you go Arsenal. I think uh, Ramsdale should be in your thinking as well for that goalkeeper spot. I think it should be between Raya and Ramsdale at the moment, if I'm honest, when you're looking at that goalkeeper spot. And up front, take a pick from ESR and Saka. ESR has yeah. been getting, I mentioned it on the wire as well, he's been getting into such good goal-scoring positions. He's just not been finishing them. And yeah, lo and behold, he puts one in the back of the net against Spurs. It's great to see it's perfect timing from Saka actually to consider him going forwards. I think he'll be a popular pick because of his assurity of starts. I think he's probably the most nailed. Uh, that's obviously debatable. Uh, but Pepe seems to have really good stats, but he seems to be playing uh, two out of every three games, something like that. So not ideal, but uh, Saka seems to be the one. Smith Rowe is, is a good price and so is Odegaard if you fancy that. But yeah, I like Arsenal. I think it's amazing how that perception changes so quickly. And I know you were saying about the injuries. So um, yeah, definitely worth considering um, Arsenal. We've got Wolves there as well. And we talk about Wolves. It's always underperformance, overperformance with Wolves. I'm going to bleat on about it today again. But don't worry, it won't take too much time because uh, I might repeating myself. But um, it's basically about changing the perception of who might be good in that Wolves team. Because I feel like when I brought in Triore to try and piggyback on maybe the expected turnaround in that underperformance, that he might be the one. But Jimenez has scored now. I think the floodgates will open for him. So and it's still a really good run of fixtures, especially Newcastle at home. I think this is a plum fixture for Jimenez. And um, I think we, yeah. we've both got him in our thoughts. You already own, don't you, Leroyzen? Yeah, I just got him. I, he was my Bamford replacement. And the only reason I got him is because I trust the player. I like the player. Yeah, he hasn't been, uh, you know, looking as sharp. But now he's, the thinking in my head was he's got five games behind him. And I actually 
quite like the fact that he was so frustrated just through the armband uh, his headband in that previous game as well so and and, and I was I knew I was sort of dead ending my team in game week eight as well so I saw my I saw that Newcastle home fixture and I took a punt and so delighted for him actually because he's been one of my favorite players uh, in real life as well as to own an FPL because he always does well for me like a Jimenez eight or a nine pointer was uh, you know, lunch and dinner every day under uh, Nuno. So, yeah, happy for him. And I think that confident that that goal is going to do his confidence a world of good. It was and a really I'm good quality goal. A, really good quality really goal, good wasn't quality. it? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, as you say, it's going to give him a lot of confidence. Uh, I think he's yeah. going to be the main beneficiary. Um, I hope Traore comes back, though, because uh, Podence wasn't really good. In fact, he broke a lot of the attacks uh, against the Saints. I thought they could have had a lot more if it was Trinka or uh, Traore instead of Podence. He wasn't looking very sharp. So I'm expecting uh, that change to happen in the next game week and Wolves to be better. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, It's also worth pointing, um, talking about some other teams here with uh, potentially good fixtures. Southampton have a really good run. Uh, after game week seven. So they think you've got five really good fixtures. Um, so maybe worth considering the likes of Adam Armstrong or, I mean, a lot of people own Livermento because he's a really good budget option. Seems to be very attacking, playing in that right back uh, position for Saints. And Saints have been fairly solid defensively, haven't they? Um, last two on this uh, notable fixtures chart is the Man City and Liverpool. Notable because they're playing each other in game week seven, but they're almost fixture proof to a certain extent maybe apart from the uh, the big games. But uh, Man City have a really good run of three fixtures from game week eight to game week 10. Uh, and Liverpool are a bit hit and miss all over, all over the place. But I don't think that's going to discourage anyone from owning Salah or Trent or even Jota, maybe. And we're going to t- discuss Jota because he he's one who I think is super consistent, but he's been, he's been unlucky in the last few. Um, with Firmino back... Uh, Firmino likes tends to play in the in the bigger games where whether that puts Jota's position at risk because um, he is currently in my wildcard team, but that could change very quickly. So we'll discuss that a bit later. Um, the other the other team who I haven't put on this because of their uh, worsening run of fixtures is Man United and Pranil, big Man United fan. We'll talk about Man United now um, in. They've been having a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde form recently, um, but Ronaldo, you've you've said before the stream, still looks really sharp, and you're really impressed with how he's been playing. Maybe more so than you actually expected. How does his performance encourage you for the future? How does it affect Greenwood? Um, any uh, Rashford coming back? Does that give you encouragement for future games? So the games we have after the next two, I think the next two are Everton and Leicester, and then we have a tough run of games. Uh, I think we're going to primarily set and counter uh, because we don't have a proper uh, defensive midfielder. We've got McTominay and Fred, and neither of them are DMs. So, which is why we sit and we play foreign attack and we don't have a controlling midfield. So if I were to wildcard today, I'd probably go with two premiums and I'd give Ronaldo a miss because I think you play the fixtures and then you get Ronaldo in before game week 14 when the fixtures turn better. Uh, but, uh, and 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 even Greenwood, I'm a little worried about because what happened was in the West Ham game, Ronaldo was really selfish. He could have paid uh, Greenwood in a couple of times and he didn't. And that's exactly what uh, Greenwood did in that game against Aston Villa as well, where he had a few chances to play uh 
Bruno and he had a chance to play Bruno and he had a chance to play Ronaldo and he was just being very selfish in shooting. So we are a little dysfunctional at the moment and uh, it will take some time for us to function as a team with Ronaldo as well because uh, it was a late transfer in, right? So all of the plans, etc. that we've drawn out, it will take time for team chemistry to build in. So uh, it's happy, I'm happy to let go of my United assets for this tough run of fixtures. If you're on a wildcard at the moment, let the team develop some rhythm together and then you go on and jump on them before that great run of fixtures game week 15 onwards. Yeah, I mean, Luke Shaw went down with an injury, came off at 34 minutes, which he's quite a heavily owned asset. People will be looking to sell potentially or using it as an excuse to sell ahead of their tough run of fixtures because he's been frustrating to own. Lots of good good stats, but he hasn't really delivered those assists. I think he's got one or two yeah. uh, potentially, yeah. but... Um, the likes of Greenwood, it really shocked me when I look up, looked after that game. He had some crazy stats in that most recent game. I think if you look on the FPL website, their creativity and threat numbers, you always look for the, I always look for consistency purposes. And he actually scored over 100 in that threat measure uh, for the most recent game, which, which is absolutely uh, amazing to put that into perspective. So he's clearly uh, really displaying some excellent stats, but I don't think he'll be... He'd be that popular going forward. Really it's well. probably based on the number of shots he took, but you should keep in mind that he took about seven or eight shots. They amounted to an XG of under 0.5. So a lot of them were speculative uh, shots from outside the box and in and around the box. They weren't really high quality chances. So just wanted to add that context. And I think Shaw being injured is going to be a very important factor in terms of how the game week shapes up. Because those that aren't on a wild card. Uh, if Shaw remains injured, which we'll find out later in the game week, uh, a lot of people might use their transfer to sell Shaw and buy a Chelsea defender. I'm sure that's where the majority of the traffic is going to go. Is this the reason why people are going to avoid that uh, planned Ronaldo to Lukaku transfer and what happens with the captaincy then? I think it's going to be a pretty big factor this weekend. I think. Exactly. This is what I was talking about at the start with a number of problems to solve. It seems like there's so much that you can do with your teams. Wildcard yeah. might not be a bad shout to just deal with it all at the same time. So let's move on to talk about our first subject, which is goalkeepers. And I think if you are wildcarding, that's the number one spot you need to focus on um, because it's the, the most long-term position. We've got a chart up here, which is my usual chart. It's about goalkeeper ability. We've got number of saves per appearance down the bottom. So further to the right, that goalkeeper is making a lot of saves per appearance. Typically, their defence is leaky enough to uh, allow lots of shots on goal, which is good for goalkeepers because they earn save points. Uh, and the XG prevented, which is further to the top, is an indication of that goalkeeper's performance, their ability. How how many... We talk about XG on target faced. The, the, the shots that they face, how much do they actually prevent? Are they good at keeping out really difficult shots? So the numbers in the bubble, if that top one, which is the XG on target, is, uh, is higher than the number of goals conceded, which is the one below it, it means that they are preventing more goals than they should be, realistically, uh, which is a really good indication of their ability. So we've got Ramsdale up there and Mendy right at the top there, which is really encouraging, and two really key wildcard targets. For Chelsea, um, it sort of pains me to pay £6 million for a goalkeeper, but... With those stats, Mendy could be justifying that price tag. But Ramsdale, equally, 4.5, looks very, very good value. Um, ben Foster, <laughs> if you need a 4 million goalkeeper and um, you think that he's going to keep his place once Backman returns, he seems to be doing much better than Backman in terms of number of saves 
and XG prevented. So he's not a bad option to have as your 4 million backup, just in case he does have a run of games. Um, but it's this is more of a balance, this chart. The bottom right is he's he's not going to prevent too many goals, but he's a lot of saves. He's going to earn a lot of save points. You ideally want that goalkeeper in the top right-hand position, but that's just a, an I, ideal scenario. So choosing a really decent goalkeeper is is part and parcel of the game. Jose Sarr is going to be a popular option for Wolves. He seems to be doing pretty well. The thing that surprises Especially me... Especially after that assist. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness me. That um, Owners would be absolutely joyous about that. The thing that surprises me actually was is Raya's position here because he was very good um, maybe two or three weeks ago. Maybe it's due to the opposition that he's faced recently. The XG prevented has suffered a little bit. But you, you're that a save fan against of... uh, Jota. It was probably early contender for save of the season. It was, it was, it was incredible, <laughs> incredible. It was such a strong hand as well. Yeah, so it is a surprise to see him down there. You are a big fan of Raya, and would I be mistaken to suggest that he could be your goalkeeper of choice from game week eight in your wild card? So, so the so what I have right now is sort of like a watch list that it's constantly evolving, and the four or five keepers that I'd be that be on the watch list or I'd be considering. I think uh, Ramsdale is somebody who would definitely be in there. And the reason is because uh, of, not just because of his performances, but if you see him at the back and the sort of uh, camaraderie between him and White and Gabriel and Tomiyasu, they seem to have formed a solid unit and he's sort of behaving like a leader at the back, uh, at the back, you know, for that team. So I don't see him losing his uh, uh, jersey anytime soon so he's a shot but if if you are the kinds who are not open for taking such a risk especially with the keeper because i think it's one transfer later down the line if it goes wrong and in my opinion the chances of that going wrong as in him losing his spot are lesser than what people think uh i think raz uh very very good as a keeper option because why i like raz especially is uh they kind of remind me like a little bit of uh, like of Burnley, where the opposition is taking a lot of shots, but they're from outside the box. They don't concede too many big chances. Uh, so he's got saves in his pocket, a well-drilled team, and they don't concede too many big chances. So that's my uh, thing for Raya. If you want to go up in price, I think uh, Sa is still a great keeper option. Uh, the fixtures for Wolves are not dying down anytime soon until game week 14, 15, 16. I think they're good. Uh, and if you want to spend money, then go Mendy. The one wildcard keeper that I'm keeping tabs on still is uh, going to be playing tonight, and that's uh, Guaita. I think Palace have also shown themselves to be a good uh, defensive unit. And uh, Vera likes to play from the pack, so he's going to get a lot of baseline bonus points just because of pass completion as well, which is also the case with Ramsdale. So these are the factors that I'd be considering. Yeah, absolutely. I really like those picks. The the other element to consider here on this chart is the numbers in the in the in the bubble. If they are fairly low, it means that they're not really conceding too much xG. And you can see Raya's there is pretty low. So is the likes of Sanchez, Ramsdale, Mendy. Whereas you've got like the likes of Meslier, who makes a lot of saves, but he's in, he's conceding a lot of xG, which means that their clean sheet potential is probably. Um, not very good and we've seen that with Leeds they're pretty leaky especially you don't have a single fit central defender in your team I think they just have Cooper and then Cresswell who made his debut this weekend so yeah that doesn't help of course it does make a difference when you have a full yeah, bit side yeah. uh, and then yeah. Meslier becomes a better option but uh, I think those the ones you've mentioned are the key ones for goalkeepers um, what's what's happened to Nick Pope Pranil like what 
he was such a good goalkeeper and Burnley really haven't changed that much in terms of personnel. Uh, is he just suffering a low low section of form? Or what is it? What do you think? I think Burnley have just uh, tried to put on uh, a slightly uh, sexier version of football where I think they've become slightly more attacking than they were previously under Daesh. And uh, that's what's led to a slight uh, dip in performance when it comes to the defensive numbers because defensively, the numbers are not so good at the moment. And they used to be a very tight, well-drilled unit, go for the 1-0, 2-0. But I think they're trying to play a little more than they've been used to, which is why I think Pope's numbers have gone down. And also, it doesn't help. He's expensive. I think he's 5.5, if I'm not mistaken. So, when you're getting good options, I mean, Sanchez hasn't done anything wrong as a keeper option yet, except for the fact that his ceiling is six points. And I'm hoping this leads to him getting 10 points tonight, but it's probably not going to happen. But yeah, uh, when you have so many good options at 4.5 or 5 million, why would you spend the extra money for a defense that's not performing? I mean, if I was spending 5.5, there's no doubt in my head, I'd go either Mendy or uh, Martinez even, who's, who's such a boss. So yeah. This is this is why it's important to consider all of these elements when choosing your goalkeeper, because you've got the likes of Edison up there in the top left, who has one of the best or the lowest values for XG conceded. But and he's the same sort of price as Mendy. But we would go Mendy over Edison because Mendy's been making more saves and his XG preventers has been better. So Chelsea more more likely to concede more shots, but not necessarily shots that might threaten their clean sheet. Um, so I think Mendy's a better option than Edison uh, at the same price. But um, yeah, as you say, the 5.5s from last season, Pope and Martinez haven't been doing as well. So it's interesting to see how that changes. Wonder why that is. But certainly we've got the favourite options here. Um, sneaky peek, I've got Ramsdale in my wild card, But that I really did debate having Mendy. Uh, but I'm just not sure I can spend £6 million on a goalkeeper. I'm not sure. Right, let's move on and talk about defenders. And this is a really key discussion. Um, Alexander-Arnold is not on this chart, but as you can see on the graphic, he is in a league of his own, in a graphic of his own, basically, because he was so far to the right. His XA is 0.51, so so much better than everyone else's that he just made all the formatting look rubbish. So I've created a different graphic for him. You can see his XG per game and his XA uh, per game. Just league of his own. If you don't own him, um, you know, buy him. (laughs) He's that good this season. But I think there's a lot of discussion about whether we double up on the Chelsea defence. Do we go for a Man City defender like Cancelo or maybe Laporte or even Diaz? Um, Rhys James injury, does that make Azpilicueta an option? So much to discuss. And... um, rotation is, is is a really key factor in this what do you think of alonso late riser he's he's currently in my wildcard team um i'm giving lots of spoilers away for my wildcard team but alonso is in there what do you think of chilwell's threat off the bench so uh not this week and the one before that we saw that uh chelsea performance against spurs and could not stop thinking about marcus alonso then i spoke to zofar uh, who's my co-host on the wire and he's like yes he's a great option but there is a threat of rotation especially because uh you know they're playing three big games in a period of eight or nine days so probably chilwell gets one game also uh i spoke to ak who's another chelsea fan as well and uh this is something that was uh 
mentioned on the Chelsea forums as well. I like to uh, cite opinion in terms of what the fans are thinking. And all of them said that, yes, Alonso's playing really, really well, etc. But we're not far away from a disaster class from Marcos Alonso, where he's prone to mistakes. He's not really a good defender, etc., etc. When he's playing, he's almost Chelsea's second best attacker. So if you have the squad to stomach uh, an Alonso benching, where I think if you're having a Livramento as your fourth defender or a fifth defender, if you're having a Ben White as a defender, somebody reliable and solid to rely on in case he doesn't play, then I think take the gamble. But uh, I am, uh, I've, I've become a little cooler than I was on him last weekend because of his performance against City. It wasn't really good. He lost the ball a few times. He wasn't very good defensively. Uh, but the games are not going to be such in their fixture run henceforth. But Chilwell's no mug, right? I mean, he's a seriously good defender and won't be long before he started getting blended into the team. So, uh, yeah, if you want to go for him, make sure that your squad can handle it. Uh, but I'm not sure if I'd go for him this week on Wildcard. I'm happy that I have two more games to watch Chelsea and decide. It's really interesting to see you hearing saying that because I, I had the exact worry that Tuchel said after the game, we lacked um, in concentration, we lacked freshness, and that is almost like a prerequisite for making large-scale changes in the next match. Maybe I'm just thinking too much into it, but the likes of Alonso, if he didn't have a good performance, could be at risk there, especially as Chilwell had minutes. Chilwell didn't look that great in uh, the Aston Villa game, so... It's a bit of a toss-up and it's like, do we overthink? Do we try and be smart or do we just go, Alonso's played the first six games. He's a really good attacking asset. You can see on this chart, he's he's one of the top right assets with Cancelo. Um, Do we just buy him? And as you say, if our team can cope with the benchings, then just go for it because he'll probably play one in one in one in two, maybe more than that, two in three, maybe three in four. Two in three, maybe you think that, yeah. So it's one of those. Would the, you... the thinking is dead. So you're on wildcard this week. I reckon if you weren't on wildcard this week and you were on wildcard next week, you'd probably just uh, come to the conclusion that it's not worth the headache and I'd much rather go Cancelo and Diash and go for two city defenders who are going to play majority of the minutes. There's, there's, there's not too much of a worry. So make sure you're not snooking yourself out of that city double def- defensive double up just because of that Liverpool fixture. That's 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 my advice to you. I mean, I'm currently on double double Chelsea defence with Azpilicueta because I think, Reece, well, it depends on Reese James' injury, the extent of it, because there's talk that he's out for six game weeks. Six weeks, yeah. Six weeks, uh, which is probably yeah. less than six game weeks. But still, that probably makes Azpilicueta a decent option, although his attacking threat is limited to crosses into the box. Um, he does poke up at the, at the back post on corners sometimes and get a little cheeky goal, but um, he probably is a better... Um, asset than he was if he's playing right centre back. And I little put a little Twitter poll up on uh, earlier saying who scores the most points in the next six, Cancelo or Aspilicueta. And there was about a thousand votes on it, and it was pretty 50 50. Aspilicueta's fixtures are much better. And if he's nailed for the five or six of them, then um, five or six fantastic fixtures compared to Man City, who play Liverpool and Man United in those six, uh, might be a better option. But I think it's 50-50 and uh, it's, I guess it, it governs like, who you want as a long-term option after that probably uh, swings it. Cancelo is definitely one I'm considering, but currently not in my team. I don't know why, though. 
Um, it's because of the Liverpool fixture. That's all. It's because only because of that fixture. And, and you need to remember that this is the wild card that you're setting up for. You're not going to be wild carding your team at least for the next 15 to 20 game weeks. So I wouldn't have a short-term tunnel vision, especially when you're picking your defenders because potentially you want to try not... Uh, picking or changing your defenders or spending transfers there. You want that to be a fairly long-term setup. So I, I just uh, make sure you're having a long-term thought process in your mind when you're picking your defenders. And I mean, you have two city defenders who played eight out of eight games so far. So this is fairly telling. Exactly. There's always a threat of Zinchenko there, but he doesn't really cut the mustard as much as Cancelo. So uh, I think Cancelo is that, that versatility that we talked about last season really yeah. does add a string yeah. to his bow. And Diaz is a decent option. Obviously, he doesn't have much uh, attacking threat compared to the likes of these other premium defenders that we're discussing. But isn't it interesting how we're all talking about going big at the back with maybe two, three, maybe even four. Some people are going four, 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 two or four, three, three with plenty of these attacking assets, maybe a Trent, maybe a double Chelsea and a Cancelo. Um, These, what I would say is that these trends these bandwagons of focusing attention on a on a specific position tend to fluctuate throughout the season so i've thought in my own mind i need to maintain flexibility on a wild card just in case there's a midfielder who i like the look of and i need to grab, jump on him if i've got four at the back it's going to be very difficult to do that especially for premium defenders so yeah. worth bearing that in mind um Another question about your defence, sorry, another question about defence in general, in order to accommodate these premium defenders, we're going to have to get some decent budget defenders, the likes of Livramento, uh, I think is going to be popular. Is there anyone else you can think of who is a maybe a decent 4 to 4.2 million option? Uh, Duffy, Williams at Norwich? I, I wouldn't go there. I'd just spend 0.5 more and stick Ben White in. You would, even, even if it not not like a three point yeah. nine uh, fodder on the third bench. Yeah. You want you want a full bench of playing playing players. Yeah, and you have somebody at four point five who's reliable in the long term. So I just stick one more big defender, four point five million defender in there, in terms of squad flexibility. Especially if you want to go for the likes of Alonso, I think these sort of picks who are a good backup option, a solid backup option, are important if you want to go for an Alonso. Goodness me, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Currently, I have Livermento yeah. and the likes of Williams, but uh, I, don't, I yeah. don't know. I think Livermento is probably enough, though. You'd be really unlucky if if both of your... Let's say you had Alonso and Cancelo and they both got rotated that week. That would be pretty unfortunate with Livermento yeah. sitting sitting first bench. But I think yeah. that was a good, a good discussion about defenders. Let's move on and talk about midfielders and forwards. We've got a, a chance diagram here, which is all of the four main stats. We've got... Small chances created on the left-hand side, big chances created on the right, and the yellow and the green are the shots. That's the small chances and the big chances. And we've got Fernandez dominating the stats in the last six game weeks, which is super surprising, considering that uh, he might have fallen away a bit since the arrival of Ronaldo. But clearly that isn't the case. Uh, is, Ren- is Fernandez still a decent FPL option? Um, does he lose penalties? He was clearly yeah. on them. I think he's going to lose penalties now. I'd be very, very surprised to see uh, Ronaldo not take the next one, especially after what happened. Uh, 
at the weekend. And what, what you notice here, though, is that when it comes to shots, Fernandez has small chances that are like shots, right? So they're not big chances. He's he's 20, but if you see the list of big chances, he's not there not to be seen. So there are a lot of shots from outside the box because Fernandez is sort of trigger happy, which is why he's featuring there. And he's, he's right up there for creativity because there's a lot of crosses and a lot of passing and he's great with his creativity. I think he was in the top two XA last season as well. So that's always going to be the case with Fernandez. But with Ronaldo and the team, he's, he's not the main man anymore. A bulk of our chances are falling to Ronaldo's head of feet. So if you're going United attack premium, you either go Ronaldo or nobody. Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's it's more he's very, very busy in the game. He's creating a lot of chances, shooting a lot, but they're not the best opportunities from a from an XG prevent, uh, perspective, I should say. So that's a good observation. Ronaldo there with five big chances. He's actually played a couple of less games than uh, other people on this chart. So this isn't normalised for per game. So um, Ronaldo, if you normalise it, pretty probably a bit, bit further up with the likes of Salah and Antonio, which is super encouraging. Um, what, another thing I found really interesting about this was a lot of the mid-price forwards like Sam Maximan, Antonio, Tony are really bolstering their stats with with chances created and that's not not normally usual for for forwards so something to really keep an eye on with sam maximan is seemed seeming to be a legitimate option this year and tony should have had at least two more returns in that game against watford i thought his owners were incredibly unlucky i mean newcastle should have scored three or four in that game yeah it was he he created a lot i thought he was excellent that through ball to uh was it um was it Murphy at the end? Yes, Murphy at the and end. He, and he missed it that, with that chip. Yeah. That was that was dreadful. Yeah. But um, and, and did you see Alan Shearer got very animated about that miss on Match of the Day? Uh, yeah, saw but, that. Saw that. But yeah, Sam Maxman, legitimate option. And this is sort of why why I want to move from a three five two to a three four three because there seem to be more options for that third striker spot. Uh, the likes of Correct. Jimenez, I really like. But uh, also Tony from the likes of game week seven, sorry, game week nine or ten. I think he he plays Leeds, Newcastle, and Norwich in that four of the next five games, which are the three. And we saw in the game against Liverpool, you actually don't mind an Ivan Tony in the big games as well, because actually what's happening is their entire attack is focused towards these two players, Tony and Mbuemo. And they get a lot more space against the bigger teams as well. And they're a very well-drilled unit who gives the ball. The transition is very quick to these two players. And they're both excellent players. Tony is a proper Premier League quality player. So he just seems like a stick and forget in your team as well. You don't need to worry about that spot. You don't need to remove him. He's on pens. He's a great penalty taker. He's going to play 90 minutes every game. He just seems like such a good stick and forget option to me proper Premier League player. If you if you saw, I mean, what really spoke to me about his quality was that offside goal that he scored, where the shot was from the far right side, what a finish right into the corner. And I was like, yeah, this guy knows where the back of the net is. I was so glad to see that, that yeah. chalked off uh, as a Liverpool yeah. fan. But yes, as you said, it's a quality finish. And uh, yeah, he looks legit and really providing a lot of value at 6.5 or whatever he's fluctuated to. 6.3 at the moment, I think. Oh, super low. So yeah, yeah, could could provide value definitely from game week nine uh, onwards if you if you want some easier fixtures to target. Um, another player on the chart is Jota, who I am considering. Uh, I just think that he's providing such good value compared to how how Mane and Salah were priced. He's seven point seven, you know, almost half their price, and he's he's super consistent with the stats. If you look, if you go on the fantasy Premier League uh, profile. 
and you look at the creativity and threat stats, it's very, very consistent every single game. Yes, he's blanked the last three before last game week, uh, but I think he was unlucky. And I think it's just very difficult to look past. I know Firmino's on the bench. I know there's a threat of him, but I think he still plays 30 minutes if Firmino starts the game. So really legitimate option. Who do you prefer out of Grealish and Jota? Because I think those are a, a close call on a wild card. I was actually going to say that, that I, I'd be looking at Grealish a lot more closer uh, on the wildcard because uh, a couple of things in my head. I think KDB is fit now and KDB is going to be playing that right midfield role. Uh, yeah, he wasn't uh, that great against Chelsea, but he, he's only going to get naturally better as he gets fitter. And I saw it in the Champions League game, which, uh, which I pointed out earlier as well, where a lot of the crosses were coming from the right-hand side and they were pinged towards the... Far post, which is the area that Grealish sort of operates in. So I reckon we're going to see a few KDB to Grealish goals where Grealish is going to be asked to attack the ball from that left-hand side. And uh, it's quite encouraging that Foden is playing the left centre midfield role and not the left midfield role. So it looks like Grealish has very little competition. And I think with every game, he's grown grown more and more into that City team. And uh, uh, I think he's going to trickle through and offer value at that price point. So I'd probably go Grealish. He seems to have broken the, the Pep rotation, the Pep roulette. <laughs> He's played the yes, first six yeah. games. I, I don't think he. I can see him being rotated because maybe Pep just sees him as offering that unique talent that he does. But his stats are very good. Um, lots of shots on target. Three big chances I think he's had. So he just misses out in the big chances section on this chart. So there's a lot under the hood, I think, going on. And... Um, even though he's only had two attacking returns this season, all the underlying stats are really displaying a lot of encouragement for people who, who maybe want yeah. to get on City assets from, from game week eight. So I'm really hoping he doesn't go off in the next two games before bulk of the people are going to look to bulk out because I like that Burnley home fixture in it. Yeah, it's a really interesting dilemma between Jota and Grealish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As you say, Grealish probably offers what has less rotation risk than Jota. So then maybe that seals it yeah. for me. And I think having the likes of maybe two Liverpool, two City, two Chelsea might be a more of a hedging your bet sort of thing rather than eggs in baskets. Um, Jimenez here, uh, really good stats. And we've seen his stats really good over the first six game weeks. And he's finally got on the score sheet. I am super, super excited about bringing Jimenez into my team because I just think the Wolves are going to, they're going to, get back to the normal levels of underperformance, overperformance, and their levels of XG, which is fifth um, in, in all in all of the league, only after Man United, West Ham, City and Liverpool. So they're, they're doing really well. They just can't put the ball in the back of the net. And now I think that he's scored the goal. The floodgates are going to open for him and he's gonna, we're going to see the Jimenez of old, fingers crossed. And Newcastle at home is a great fixture to start off with. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think... Jimenez as the third striker, if he if he doesn't go off on one in the next two or three, you've got a multitude of, of alternatives in Sam Maxman, Tony to go off on uh, in the next few weeks. So I think there's a there's like a, a get out of jail plan, as it were, if Jimenez falters. I think I think if you buy him right now, I think you hold till nine at least, because you've got that leads away fixture in game week nine, and you always fancy or uh attacker playing against Leeds United. So I, if you're buying him now and if you're not wildcarding, I think Newcastle, Aston Villa away, Leeds United away, I think you hold him for a three-week period and see what happens. 
Hundred percent. Two of the worst defenses yeah. in the league, so definitely hold him in as until after game week nine, regardless yeah. of what he does. I think that's very shrewd. Um anyone else on this chart that stands out? Um Adam Armstrong, we talked about Saints having a good run of fixtures from game week eight. Does he stand out to you to be offering value? Um or or do Saints not score enough goals for your liking? He's a proper enabler, and I think Saints might play differently against uh a more comparable opposition. Uh, but at that price, I, I think there's, what, 0.3, 0.4 difference between him and Ivan Tony. I just go to him. I can't look past Tony at that price. That's fair enough. I mean, and Brentford have yeah. looked really good. Does, yeah, Var- yeah. does Vardy... Uh, uh, problem with Vardy is that he does it every single... We're never going to own him because he's, he's a yeah. rubbish price, isn't he? Yeah. And we're always just going to have Lukaku ahead of him or Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No one's going to pick him. Is, can anyone, if if anyone's going to pick him, Pranil, surely you would fancy maybe a f- two or three game week punt if he's got a really good run of fixtures at some point this yes. season. Yeah, when he, and there is a run a little later. I think FPL Speed did an excellent thread pointing uh, where there's a good run of fixtures against Newcastle, Leeds United, Burnley, Norwich happening together. So if there is a... Uh, run of fixtures with such uh, good looking fixtures say no to nobody exactly that yeah, right yeah, yeah let's move on and talk about I do, how... uh, Sorry, before, before we move on I, I think we should just acknowledge the fact that antonio's numbers they've been like a 10 million 11 million asset for a while now and uh, he's excellent and so consistent uh, it's going to be one of the biggest decisions because the fixtures become a little tough after a couple of game weeks. So do you drop him? Because he looks like scoring every game. Let's be honest about that. And even last season, his non-penalty XG numbers were right up there. Like his stats are comparable to your premiums and big hitters. So maybe some sort of price bias we have there and we just look at him very differently. Very reliable player. His, His stats are too good to drop, surely. I mean, we've got to wait for them to fall away a little bit during the difficult fixtures and then maybe we can justify getting rid but at the moment he looks fixture proof there's no way anyone in their right mind is gonna preempt getting rid of antonio just because of some bad fixtures west ham are a very decent side nowadays david moore's done a fantastic yeah. job and um they can probably give it a go against anyone so yeah antonio he looks so full of confidence did you see him in the interview afterwards he hadn't really yeah. had a good game he scored an excellent goal at the end and then just spoke like he just knew he was going to score. And that's what you yeah, want to see, myself. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a well-taken finish, a really well-taken finish. He's really improved on this, really, really improved this season. Um, so, yeah, he's going nowhere from my my team. Um, let's move on and talk about how we got in, in game week six. And then we'll talk about uh, our bus teams, uh, my wildcard team, and maybe our transfer plans for the coming game week. Um, so let's have a look at your... Uh, game week six team, 42, which is a 46 with a minus four taken. Um, Sanchez still to play. Captain Salah, very jealous of that. I think most of us captained Ronaldo. It was heavily backed and he failed. But uh, you wanted more from Salah in that game. Of course. It wasn't a happy viewing, I'll tell you that, because you're chomping at the bit where majority of the uh crowd as captain ronaldo and then you have a chance you have few chances to make up ground when it comes to captaincy and i thought this was it and uh, the reason why i did not go ronaldo is because of what we spoke earlier where our team is just Jekyll and Hyde i don't know if i trust our attack or not uh 
and uh, then yeah with more he had so many chances i thought his uh, where mane played him through his finish was almost a little arrogant where in terms of uh, he kind of switched off after because the the goal that he got it was his 100th career goal for uh, liverpool as well so i thought that was sort of like a mickey off the back and then he just calmed down etc cetera, etc cetera, as well uh, because you uh, expect sarah to put that chance at the back of the net 9 out of 10 times so yeah wish he could have Uh, gotten at least one more goal out of that game so that you know you're getting the rewards for the decision but uh, at least in black so you have to take that into consideration i got in perera and himenas this week very happy with himenas uh, perera was so close uh, to an assist and then unfortunately conet was giving him a very tough time uh, in that defense which is why he was subbed off after the 45th minute mark so yeah i do have problems in defense at the moment which i need to sort That's a very late riser move there, Pereira. No, I don't think I had yeah. even considered him. Um, but a yeah. huge upside, potentially. We know what he can do in previous seasons. Uh, it's getting a good run out from Leicester. Do you think that Leicester improved? Because they've, obviously they won um, at the weekend, but... Um, or it was a win? draw. There was a it draw. Was it was two, two goals, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, Vardy scored three goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, do you, think, but... do you think Leicester improved going forwards? So th- I think uh, they are going to be very reliant on the fitness of Johnny Evans and uh, I think he's going to be very important because what uh, Soensu and uh, Westcott both them offer are the brute physicality but they are they're not the director of the defense you know asking somebody to go up asking somebody to position themselves that's what Evans and his experience comes into play when it comes to the Leicester defense and I expect I don't think the performances have been as bad as the numbers very honestly when I watched the highlights they've always been with a good chance to win a game and it's always been one goal which is why they've lost or I mean they should have ideally won last uh, game week as well where they had two ridiculous offside decisions against them as well so I think they're going to be better. Uh I think with Evans especially, I think things are looking good. Even Lukman on that right-hand side, 6 million midfielder, somebody to watch out cuz I think they've been looking better. I think they're gradually improving. Again, it's it's uh, people jumping on Leicester is reminding me of people jumping on Arsenal early season. I think their performances haven't been as bad as the results. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think Harvey Barnes has been super unlucky not to get anything. He's um, yep. had, had ruled out a couple of goals from offside. Well, obviously, he wouldn't have got an FPL returns, but it just seems like it's not yeah. going for him just in all in all manners. And that will turn around at some point. Yeah. He's still If a I was option. a Barnes owner, I would have much less hair than this, right? Because it's been <laughs> so frustrating. Twice hit the bar, had one big chance in this game as well. So, yeah, terrible for Barnes owners. It's very frustrating there, but... Yeah. he's showing a lot of signs that he's getting in the game so people may be even tempted yeah. to, to hold him but I, yeah. yeah it's it's really frustrating when when it doesn't go your way when it should so that's that's yeah. is what it is uh what's your what's your view of ben rama because when when he scored against man united i transfer him out for a hit that game week which which was very frustrating but it was a fairly fortunate deflection do you think that his attacking form has sort of dissipated a little bit that the, the stats the underlying metrics do you think that he's still a good option going forwards because he has a pretty decent fixture in game week 7 no it's not i thought benrama owners were unlucky to not get anything out of that leeds united game and what i've actually noticed is the understanding between antonio and benrama is actually growing week on week uh, in that game against leeds united they both played into each other at least three or four times where one could have assisted the other and i thought Uh, that chemistry is only getting better with time 
it it was telling that when Vlasic came on against Leeds United, it wasn't for Benrama, and he's getting more and more minutes. I think Moes is trusting uh, that uh, player more and more. So I wouldn't be in any hurry to lose him. That said, I, if I was on my wild card now or in game week eight, I'd consider losing him for maybe an Arsenal midfielder. That's fair enough. Right, let's have a look at your bus team and um, see how you're shaping up for game week seven. And it's a nice, it's a nice transition of red to blue on this graphic. I quite like, but it was just I lucked into that. Um, so Ben Rahman's here. Brentford at home is a decent fixture with Antonio. Uh, that Newcastle at home, very mouth-watering game for Jimenez. And you'll even put the vice captain out, arms band on Jimenez, even though you could captain him in that game if you if you were ballsy enough, which I know that you are. But Ronaldo captain against Everton is that the clear cut option for you this week? I think it's between uh, Ronaldo and Lukaku this week. And uh, I said something controversial on Twitter yesterday, where I said actually I actually think the Everton game suits us a lot more than the Aston Villa game would because people have this preconceived notion that we struggle against buses. That hasn't been the case since Bruno's been in our team and since Pogba's been fit and playing for us. I think there's enough creativity. And I'm expecting Martinez to not... I think we struggle more against uh, teams that press well, like Southampton or Wolves. Uh, these are the teams we haven't had good results against this season as well because we are not a very press-resistant team. Our midfielders aren't press-resistant. So I think uh, if somebody's coming and planning to just sit. I quite like Ronaldo for that because I think he's going to get the ball a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of crosses going into Ronaldo and I don't mind that uh, Everton at home fixture. That said, uh, if my uh, defense is looking like it's going to be fit, etc., I'm considering the Ronaldo to Lukaku move because I think a lot of people might overlook that because of Shaw's fitness concerns. And the thing with uh, Southampton is we saw that they are capable of a proper defensive display against Manchester City. That said, in the last 20 minutes, when uh, Jimenez bullied those uh, Saints defenders, that just reminded me and made me think about what uh, Lukaku could be doing against them. I don't think it's uh, as far as people think, though. And I think Ronaldo is also a fine captaincy option this weekend. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think people need to rush to move at uh, Ronaldo to Lukaku immediately. I think when Chelsea play Norwich in game week nine, that's probably the must move. Um, yeah. Because Southampton and Brentford are, are no pushovers, really. But you'd still expect yeah. him maybe to get a couple of returns in those games. But maybe yeah. you'd expect also Ronaldo thing, to do the same in his yeah, match. I think also Reese James on that uh, uh, right hand side is going to be a huge loss for Chelsea as well because he's excellent with his crossing. And uh, also, one thing to th- say is that the Chelsea midfielders aren't exactly in the best form at the moment where Mount has been a little off his game, Kai's been a little off his game. So that's also something that's worth thinking about when it comes to factoring the captaincy decision this weekend. Something makes me wonder about whether Tuchel will change shape against different standard of opposition, whether he continues with five at the back. Uh, and with Reese James's injury, maybe he moves to a back four and that maybe forces Alonso out um, because they've been playing five and then maybe three in midfield and then two up top against really decent opposition. That goes to two in midfield and then three up top when they want to play a little bit more expansively. But um, I be- think that's the shift they're going to make. Uh, I don't think they'll shift from far at the back. 
maybe you have Aspie playing right CB and you have Hudson Odoi, who's a more attack-minded uh, wing-back on that side instead of James, if at all. But I see them shifting from three holding mids against City, what, what they played, to going two holding and then three up front with Lukaku, winged by two of Mount, Kai and Werner. I hope Azpilicueta plays right wing-back because yeah. prospect of attacking returns, but you're right. Um, Hudson Odoi is definitely an alternative option for Tuchel. Uh, yeah. And Azpilicueta becomes less of a decent option at 6 million if he plays right centre-back. So uh, yeah. it's a bit of a dilemma. What are your transfer plans for game week seven? Have you got Luke Shaw to deal with or are you going to move Ronaldo? Well, I would presumably not because you're captaining him. Is it going to be a Luke yeah. Shaw move this week? So if, if Shaw is fit and if it looks, looks like Pereira might play, then I might think of the Ronaldo to Lukaku switch because you still can't take away the... Uh, sort of uh, quality gap between the two teams where Chelsea are good to win 2-0, 3-0 in that game. That's It's what you'd expect as well. So I don't want to rule out that move. But if Shaw is unfit for game week uh, 7, then I need to find myself a defender. And I don't fancy spending four points to shift the armband from Ronaldo to Lukaku. No, that seems like a... Yeah. Yeah. Like a negative equity move. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seems pretty straightforward for you. And then wildcard game week eight. That would be a good yep. that would be useful. Yep. Yep. Right, let's have a look at how I got on on game week six. Um forty six points, uh no hits made. It gives me a small red arrow, sorry, small green arrow, thank goodness, uh, with Sanchez to play. So hopefully that becomes slightly bigger green arrow. Um but I I'm just, in general, pretty annoyed with myself in the most recent weeks about the transfers I've made. I feel like they've been they've been poor, not because of the result, but because maybe I haven't really made the right decision initially. And from the way I play the game, I really need stats to be able to help me out. And I always think the first six game weeks, are, you're wandering in the wilderness a little bit without sufficient number uh, to actually, accurately predict who's going to go forward. So... I've been struggling a little bit, let's just say that. I've made some bad moves like Triore, him getting benched. Um was he was he injured or was he just was he just benched? But I mean, in either way, it really puts puts doubt on I was really hoping that he would he would overcompensate in the next few weeks for his a really huge underperformance. But I think maybe that's Hold him for Newcastle at home. I think he comes back in. Oh so you're wildcarding. Oh you're wildcarding. No, no, then don't hold him. Yeah. yeah, I think if, you, if you're if you not wildcarding and you still own Triore, holding for Newcastle home can't be a bad idea, but there's always going to be a, a nagging doubt in your mind that potentially he gets benched again. Um, but you said Podence didn't really play that, that well in the last game. Uh, maybe Triore comes back in, but there's still a little bit of doubt in your mind. So it's an yeah. interesting dilemma. I'm removing that dilemma from my mind, going to just completely get rid of Triore and focus on a different Wolves player in Jimenez instead. Um, Wolves defence in themselves look fairly decent. Um, I think Marcel was also the bad pick and I only made that choice so I could afford uh, a two free transfer move this game week, which didn't work he out. He got you six points. Yeah, he was fine, I thought. He, yeah, I mean, he didn't get you that goal because he had that chance, but you're getting your clean sheet points. I don't think that's too bad. I think it probably Samedo is the one from that Wolves defence, but he really can't convert either. But when you're watching the game, he he's so, so far forward. The number of shots he has is pretty, pretty decent. Number of big chances. He gets a clear line of shot, every line of sight to the goal every every single time he's fed through. So if I was doing that move again, I would go, I'd definitely go Samedo. 
um i think yeah. that that bit. that is the repeatable repeatable action right that when if your defender is getting into these good positions you'd rather have a defender who's getting into the, these good positions and missing he's not even missing he's the shots are getting saved he's shooting them at the keeper rather than somebody who's not getting these chances so exactly. in my head look at the process and you're making good moves it's okay it happens you're at the exactly. bad end of variance and the chart you showed me earlier it's about to turn to the other side right in most cases fingers crossed yeah we we can, <laughs> we can look at that if you if you want i wasn't actually going to show it um where is it let's have a look bear with me yeah let's go back to that because i did a piece of work on this which was it's the team variance which is the xg variance basically the over and under performance versus their typical level last season those black bars in the middle, basically the instances last season, 660 of them. Uh, and those instances correspond to how much a team underperformed in their last six and how much they under or overperformed in their next six, basically forecasting what happens if a team has a huge level of underperformance or overperformance. And this is amalgamating all of those instances from all 20 teams in the Premier League last season, most of the instances are between minus three and plus three, as you would expect. Those are fairly standard levels of under and over performances. With Wolves this season, they are currently at minus seven in their last six matches. And you can see right at the top there, it sort of suggests that in their next six, it doesn't necessarily overcompensate, but it does go back to a normal level of under or over performance so if as long as they continue making lots of chances with their xg it definitely suggests that that will return to normal obviously it might be something completely inherent in wolves um, players the fact that they can't convert uh, they might just be bad at finishing and therefore this might not apply but certainly uh, from all of the different instances last season it definitely suggests something encouraging for Wolves uh, and I think Jimenez is the one to focus on for sure uh, the fact that he has now scored he's got off the mark and he made an excellent goal I think he's the one to focus on but yeah we've got called it by low sell high it's a bit facetious but um, it's, it goes with overperformance as well if someone's if a team is massively overperforming then that's likely to reduce in the next six as well uh, something interesting uh, unless maybe. you're messy Unless <laughs> you're Messi or Son yeah. or Greenwood, they're yeah. all proven yeah. to. Um, and I guess that's it. If some, if someone, if a team proves or a player proves over multiple seasons that they can achieve that same level of overall underperformance, then there's no reason to doubt that. Whereas and Wolves haven't underperformed massively in previous seasons, even when Triore is playing. So the fact that they're massively underperforming is. It, it's we can't just come out and say Traore is a bad player because he he hasn't really underperformed in previous seasons. His xG might be low, but he hasn't underperformed. So I think this is probably applicable to Wolves this season. We, we will see. We will see. I, I'm I'm going to target all of my attention from this into Jimenez, and hopefully he rewards that. But it's it's interesting nonetheless, and I think it sort of makes sense from a perspective that sort of perspective. Well, let's go back to. Um, the teams and it was my team wasn't it 46 yep. um so salah i didn't captain salah i just went for the boring old ronaldo at home captaincy which was in hindsight a mistake but um i've sort of said to myself 
you're not going to try and think creatively with the captain. We'll just try and go uh, the, the premium player at home in a fairly accessible game and see what happens. We're going to get times where where, they, where he doesn't doesn't score. It's variance. It's it, the captain's decision is the hardest um, decision in this game from my perspective. It's based on one game week, and you're never going to get it right 100% of the time. If you do, then you're some sort of genius. <laughs> But yeah, there's a medium term to a long term game, right? So um, yeah, we have to hold. I really like the way that you phrased it before the stream. You phrased it as you use uh, contextual um, views about how you think the game will pan out to pick your captain, rather than look at the last six game weeks of stats and look at the opposing defensive solidity and see whether that's actually legit. You thought that it would be a high scoring game, that Liverpool Brentford game, because you thought Brentford would come out and play. And that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, and maybe we should treat that captaincy decision in a, in a different way to how we bring in, how we choose to bring in our, our players for the medium to long term, because it is just completely on a different basis, right? Correct. And like you mentioned, uh, you try to get this advantage when it's so close, because I think we were splitting hairs this week, last week, when we were choosing between Salah, Ronaldo and uh, Antonio. Uh, Salah's goal scored offside. Antonio doesn't get a 93rd minute winner. And Ronaldo takes a penalty in the 91st minute. And then that entire story flips, right? So it's... Variance, right? That can happen any week. Like you mentioned, it's just a very small sample size of one game week. But when the margins are so tight, you try to contextualize, like you say, and try gaining an advantage in terms of predicting how the game might pan out. That's all. Yeah, no, yeah. it is what it is. But uh, for those who don't think they're good at picking a captain, like me, I always think that I'm not. Just try and keep it simple, just follow a plan in your head. If you want to captain the same player week after week, then that's the most basic move you can do. Next level is captain a premium option at home to a decent fixture. Just don't overthink it. That's just something that I'm trying to stick to, just to try and keep level, because there were plenty of opportunities last season where I tried to overthink it and I tried to go for a differential captain and it just doesn't work long term. Um, so just keep it. Keep it chill, keep it sensible and just pick the obvious captain each week. And that reduces that variance that we're talking about. I think the time has come to look at my wildcard team and uh, Pranil is going to critique it, critique it, I should say. So we've gone for a four. Uh, no, we haven't gone for a four. We've gone for a three, four, three. And that's what I was talking about earlier. That third forward option is something that's super appealing to me. And that Jimenez spot is definitely filled for that third striker position. Um, I've got Saka in there. I think that might be a little knee-jerk, but as we were talking about targeting Arsenal for their good run of fixtures, it seems like a legitimate move. Um, just, just to caveat this, this is a first draft. Definitely not completely set on this by any means. Uh, the likes of Cancelo might come into this. Um, like likes of Grealish uh, instead of Jota. And I think, regardless, I probably won't pick Jota initially. It will be probably Saar against Leeds, and then I'll move um, Saar up to either a Grealish or a Jota in game week eight to, to book a transfer in. Because I think with that Man City match, not the fact that Jota might be a bad option in that match, but Firmino tends to get the nod in really big fixtures. Um, not sure on his fitness level, 
But I think, you know, Jota and Grealish are playing in that same match. So Sarr against Leeds probably is the optimal way. Um, but I think double Chelsea defences is probably the way to go if I don't want to overthink it. Uh, but it's the, that rotation risk that we're talking about with Alonso, whether Azpilicueta plays right centre-back. Who knows? I really could go Cancelo. But I do like the likes of Ramsdale as well. So what do you think of this team? Is it is it fairly similar to what you would go for? What are the holes you think that I'm I'm leaving and what would you critique about it? Uh, I think it's a good team, first off, uh, for the first draft. I think it's a really good team. I'd pick at least nine or ten of these players in my wildcard draft if I was uh, building it today as well. And I won't really know what I eventually will go into unless you're mulling over the decisions and really you know, debating one position for a couple of hours and then coming to a conclusion. But uh, first off, I don't like that you have Williams in there. I try to find 0.45 million from somewhere to make sure you're upgrading that spot to a playing 4.5 defender. I think that's the first thing I do, especially since you have Alonso in there. I don't like the fact that uh, there's no Manchester City in there because I think if you were wildcarding in eight you'd have two Manchester City players into your team. And I urge you to have a long-term view uh, when it comes to your wildcard, especially in defence, and try uh, sticking in a couple of Manchester City players in there. Uh, one more shout on your uh, watch list, per se. Tierney, I think, is a really good op- option on the wildcard as well. Should you want to spend a little cheaper, I think double Chelsea or double City defence is a good option. Uh, Jota, uh, I think Diego Jota is always a good option as long as one of the other three uh, Liverpool attackers are injured or out for a while. Um, we don't know for sure that he's first choice at the moment. So you're always looking at the Liverpool uh, team sheet. Yeah, he does well off uh, in 30 minutes as well. But even if he's starting, he's getting 60 minutes and you don't want that. So that's something that would uh, worry me about Diego Jota, especially with Firmino being fit. Uh, I think I don't know how much of a difference there is between a Saka and a Smith Rowe. So I think there's a potential to save 0.5 million there and spend it elsewhere in the team. And upfront, I like your strikers. The only two that I'd be considering otherwise, should you need more money, is uh, Ivan Tony, like we discussed. He's got a pretty neat run of fixtures, game week nine onwards, if I'm not mistaken. And I'd maybe look at Watkins as well. I thought I think I think Villa have impressed me in attack. I think they look like a really good team in attack. And Watkins is somebody I'd be monitoring because I think game week ten or eleven onwards they have a good run of fixtures as well. So, yeah, yeah, Villa seem to be flying under the radar a little bit. They've got Spurs and Wolves up next, and Spurs haven't really been doing that well. Arsenal, West Ham, Southampton, and Brighton. So a fairly decent run of fixtures, a little bit mixed. But I mean the likes yeah. of. I've I've got Douglas Weese at 4.5. He he's been impressing the last couple of games in terms of his creativity. Um is there anyone else that you think at a 4.5 4.4 million um that that sort of third bench spot or or bench spot regardless is is better than Douglas Weese? I I know that you like Ramsey from Villa as well. Yeah. Um yeah, but he's a little bit of a rotation risk because once uh, Bailey is back and fit. Uh, he's been sensational in his cameo so far over Villa. So I think they will change shape from three at the back to going back to four at the back. So uh, I've been well advised by Tom Freeman, who's a Villa fan, uh, to not go in that direction. The only other, I think Lewis is a fine pick. The only other one I'd consider is uh, 
a certain trigger happy Mr. Sean Longstaff who's been taking some shots from outside the box. But I think Lewis is fine as a pick. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. but you 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 you're explicit you want me to get a 4.5 defensive option that the the worry I do have about that is how many times do we realistic, realistically have or have the need for our second bench spot? Uh very very rarely do we have more than one ever auto subs. There's one more reason to it, Ted. Let's say uh, Jungmin's son is scoring three goals in three games and he becomes a real option. Now, what at that time you can do is shift your premium defender to a four, four and a half million defender and you're covered with your bench options to then upgrade an attacker to that 10 million spot without having to shift too much in defense. So I think that little bit of insurance also helps if you want to shift money from defense into attack at a later point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I haven't even considered that. And as you said, you can yeah. release that money by maybe going Saka to Smith Rowe. That extra sort yeah. of 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 would be useful. Um, I think what I'm, I think probably what I will do in the next tinker is move the likes of Azpilicueta down to Rudiger and have Grealish instead of Jota. And maybe Cancelo instead of Alonso. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I really want to go for attacking defenders because that's the whole point about going for premium options right and Cancelo's attacking yeah Rudiger is is the boring option though isn't he but um if if it's the money it's the 0.4.5 that you save by going Rudiger that allows that Jota to Grealish upgrade uh so it's definitely something I'll play around with but I think this is the basis of the wild card for game week seven Ramsdale's an interesting one as you say it could be a transfer waiting to happen um but I'd go Ramsdale as well if I was wildcarding today. I'd yeah. go Ramsdale Arsenal as well. Arsenal have got yeah. really good fixtures, uh, as we yeah. talked about earlier on. Um, another thing that I was considering was going Mendy instead of Ramsdale and having Cancelo instead of Azpilicueta. So you've got double Chelsea, uh, a City and the Liverpool. But it's, it's, it's just the six million for, for Mendy. And the fixtures that Chelsea actually have, they're so good that you're probably not expecting them to test Mendy as much and therefore he makes less saves and therefore he just becomes a six-point ceiling merchant. With you on that. Yeah, so it put me off a little bit uh, and Ramsdale seems to be offering a lot more. Um, Arsenal are going to concede a lot more shots, uh, but still... And they play out the... They play out the back as well, so he's getting that pass completion that you want in your keeper, which is taking the chances of bonus points up goalkeeper as well yeah interesting but yeah there we have it uh i think livramento have, have finally got on board of him having simicas yeah. in my side really was a prevention for a long time so I, I think with a wild card you're dealing with a number of options luke shaw's injury the fact that simicas is blocking jota if i wanted him that triple liverpool uh and, and my yeah. bench was pretty poor i wanted jimenez i want lukaku i want lots of chelsea players but loads of fires to fight. And um, Mason Mount, I brought Mason Mountain last week for him to be injured and had to remove him for Saar, which was a good move, but best laid plans of mice and men, eh? But there we go. I think that's a a fairly decent wild card. I will probably tinker for the next four or five days, so it's probably likely to change, but there's a good indication of what to expect. Um, If you liked my wild card draft, leave a comment in the uh, the comment section, whether you like it, dislike it, who would you choose? Uh, Any other players I've missed, give me a shout in the comment section and I will try and respond, but I think we'll leave it there. 
we've got cool. about 900,000 people watching us make sure you're hitting the like button guys because it helps <laughs> us get found so just hit that like and subscribe button right now 900,000 people watching yes that is accurate <laughs> i wish 900 to 1000 is what i'd say yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i wish 900,000 <laughs> well thank you very much for joining me pranel that was a that was a good comprehensive discussion i think about game week 6 and looking ahead to game week game week 7 so look forward to it when it comes around but best of luck with your transfers and um let me know how you get on uh with your moves i'll be catching up on the wire have you got the wire tomorrow are you recording tomorrow yep. so make yep, sure tomorrow. that you, if you haven't checked out the fpl wire if you've been living under a rock go and subscribe to their channel um uh, you're approaching on the 15k and nearly the the 20k subscriber limit so you're growing rapidly and i really love that stream so go and check it out if you haven't Uh but otherwise thanks again for Pranil for for joining me and uh we'll leave it there mate. I'll um I'll catch you soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me Ted. See you mate.